This week I was in uh, I was in Utah with our uh, college. Yeah, there you go. Some of, with our, some of our college students, and uh, you know they they, they had our, uh, their kind of winter retreat type of thing there, and uh, the theme was simplicity, which is a great theme, and I thought it was so cool because it went so much with what we talked about last weekend about how. Sometimes you overcomplicate things. Jesus made it very simple that you could sum up all of the scriptures, all the law and all the prophets with two commands, love God and love one another. Um, and it was so easy. And, and, and I love this theme of simplicity because we, we do complicate things. In fact, um, about a month ago, something happened to me that has never happened in my life. Um, my heart started having these... Uh, murmur-type palpitation things that just freaked out on me. And I, I've i never had anything with my heart. You know, you just kind of forget it's there. You just go through life and, you know, everything's fine. And then suddenly it skips a beat or does something. I thought, wow, that was really weird. Um, and then, uh, you know, no big deal. A few hours later, did it again. I thought, okay, that's, that's really strange because I've never had any, any issues. And then the next day it got a little worse. The next day it got worse. And over a two-week period, it just kept getting worse and worse. And then by Christmas Eve, um, it was like, it got to the point where it's like every minute, or even a couple times a minute, it was like just nonstop. My heart is not beating right. There is, there is something seriously wrong. And between Christmas Eve services, I even was even back in the prayer room, you know, just trying to figure out what's going on with my heart, talking to my wife about it. She's like, you know, maybe you should see a doctor. I'm thinking, yeah, I should go to the doctor. I should, <laughs> I should go to the dentist, too, you know, while I'm at it. Maybe he can check my teeth, you know. But um, it, it did, you know. I, after, I, I just thought, you know, okay, maybe after services I'll go, uh, I'll go see a doctor because this is, this, is, this is too much. And, um, but after uh, services I thought, you know, I know why my heart's doing this. It's, it's stress. It's, it's very obviously stress. Um, and I knew it. I knew it because I knew what was going on in my own heart and in my life. And I was just taking on all this stuff and, uh, and, and taking a lot of pressure on. Um, because, you know, you can say, oh, well, people were, were putting pressure on me, but no one can put pressure on you. You've you got to be willing to take it yourself. Because ultimately, before the Lord, He's not pressuring me on anything. It's just you start believing it yourself. You start taking things on. I, I, I go and I'll speak somewhere. You know, whenever I travel and speak, it's like they have these expectations of me. Oh, you better be funny. You better be this. You better be that. We want this many people to come forward. We want, you know, it's like, oh, okay, okay, you know, I'll, I'll do my best. And then, you, you know, everything in my life I started to just take so personally and, and take the weight on myself, you know, with the, with the Bible college, like, okay, I'm the one, I gotta recruit the students, I gotta make sure, you know, they're learning, I gotta, I gotta, you know, get some funds in, you know, we gotta worry about finances now, you know, with the church, I gotta fix these marriages, I gotta, you know, counsel these people, and, and, and it's like, you know, that's not really for me to do. You just start believing that it's your responsibility. I, I can't fix your marriage. I mean, you screwed it up, you fix it, you know, I mean, <laughs> in reality, you know, I can, uh, I can tell you what the Bible says, you know, but, but to believe that somehow I'm the one that's going to fix this or I'm going to change this, it's, it's ridiculous. You know, who am I? You know, but, but I, I would take on these things and feel like a burden on myself, like, oh, i got to change the inner city. L.A.'s right there. I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing enough. Let me go in there, you know, Africa, you know, i got the pastor's conference. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me fix some things over there while I'm there. Let me, let me change this or that. And you just start feeling like everything's on you. 
When in reality, God's saying, you don't have the power to do any of that stuff. So why do you start stressing about it now? And, and I knew, I knew it's not, it's not taking on too much. You know, I like having a lot of things. It's just when you have the wrong mindset and you, you seriously believe that it's on you and that you are responsible. And, you know, there's a passage in Scripture, you know, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, says don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. So, so the issue is not just this medical, physical thing. It's a sin issue. I'm not supposed to worry about anything. Um, it, it's a sin for me. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then it says, the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, when, when you feel like you're losing your mind, you've got to first ask yourself, okay, is this a sin issue? Am I, am I taking this on or am I lifting this all up in prayer and letting God deal with it? And once you do that, then suddenly He guards your mind, He guards your heart. And I can say after that, after that confession of that sin, you know, there Christmas Day, it was just, you know, from then on, everything's been fine. You know, not another flutter, nothing. You know, because it, it was, and I'm sure I could have gone to the hospital and they would have given me something to, you know, wig my mind out a little bit so I don't feel this or that. But, you know, ultimately I knew that this isn't a, it isn't just about it's gone to medical, but it's all based upon something spiritual, sin in my life and the stress. And, hey guys, there's this, uh, there's this passage in scripture that's helped me out a lot. And I want to share it with you. It's, it's Psalm 131. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 131. It is such a beautiful, beautiful picture here. Um, it says this. Psalm 131. It says, My heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I've stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. Oh Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. I love what this guy says. Because he starts off by saying, my heart isn't proud. My heart is not proud, O oh Lord. And the truth is, this stress starts with pride. You actually believe that you yourself, that you're so powerful, you're so great that you can actually fix anything. When what the psalmist says, he goes, I'm not like that. I'm not like this arrogant person that thinks that I can fix it all. My heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't have this vision like, I'm going to do all these things and I'm going to pull it off. He goes, I don't have that type of vision. I'm not that proud of a person. He says, in fact, he says, I don't concern myself with great matters. See, I'm not this arrogant person thinking, I've got the answers to, to everything. I can fix it all and I, there's these great problems. Let me at them. He says, no, I'm not that type of person. I don't concern myself with, with great matters. I don't concern myself with things too wonderful for me. He says, there's some things in this world that are just over my head. I can't fix it. I can't change anyone's life. It's not for me to do. So I don't, I don't worry about those things. In fact, he gives a beautiful picture. He says, but I've still and quieted my soul. He says, my soul, the inner me, I'm able to just calm down, quiet down, still myself, not worry about all of these 
questions that I don't have the answers to, but I quiet my soul. And he goes, and I'm like a weaned child with its mother. You know, a weaned child. A weaned child was a child that was no longer breastfed. It was a child. It's not a picture of this baby screaming, crying, you know, give me milk. You know, it's, it's, it's a picture of a child that's been satisfied. It's just been fed or has been weaned and, 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 and the baby's just enjoying or that, that child is just enjoying that time with the mother and being comforting and rested. He says, that's what my soul is like. Yesterday afternoon, I, was, uh, I fed my little baby and then um, uh, I had my older daughter take a picture of me holding uh, our, our little baby girl and I'll show it to you. Um, it's right after, uh, you know, she was fed, and I was like, Rach, take a picture of us, you know. And, uh, and I, I love this picture because that's what this passage is talking about. Um, does your soul look anything like that? Honestly, just laying there going, Bleh, you know. <laughs> I don't have a care in the world. I'm sitting here in my father's arms. I don't have to worry about a thing. Is that how your soul feels this morning? Is that the way your soul's been this week? Like the psalmist says, my soul's like a weaned child in the arms of its mother. You see, my soul didn't look anything like that. Picture my soul would have been that little baby running around the stage trying to fix everything, you know? Not just laying there going, you know what? I'm a baby. What am I going to do? I can't fix anything. And God says, you know, sometimes we need to be like that and have that humility to say, I'm like a weaned child with his mother. I'm not going to concern myself with these matters that are too great. There's things on this earth I don't understand. I don't get how it all works. That's for Dad to figure out. Is that your soul this morning? Or have you been stressed out? Did you hit 2005? You just hit the ground running. You're just trying to change all these things, fix all these things, and you've just been miserable this week, and your soul is nothing like that. That's not the way God wants us to live. He wants us to be in His presence at rest, at peace. Having Him guarding our hearts, guarding our minds, saying, it's alright, I'm in control, you're not. Humble yourself, quiet yourself. I thought it would be good for us this morning just to do some of that. Just take a minute or so just to quiet ourselves before God. To be reminded that, do you realize right now, in heaven, as you're sitting in this room, seeing a lot of ordinary things up in heaven, there's an extraordinary God, a holy God. He sits on this throne, and the Bible describes it, and it's just awesome. This being, who, 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 his appearance is like diamonds and rubies. He's, just, he's not like anything on this earth, like anything we've seen. He's the creator. And he says that there's lightning and thunder and these pillars of fire and the sea of glass and a hundred million angels right now, all just adoring this one person on this throne, this one being on the throne. He's right there in charge. And the Bible teaches that I can come before that throne with that God on it, with all the power and all the angels, everyone worshiping, and I can look at Him and go, Daddy. And Jesus says, when you pray to Him, call Him Abba, call Him Daddy. And I can sit here and know that the God of the universe is crazy about me and calls me His kid and says, you know, what are you freaked out about? Just, just come up here and just rest. I'm in control. You're not going to fix anything. You're not going to change anything. Just sit here and enjoy my love. And, and I think we just forget to do that sometimes, you know? And so why don't we just... Would you just bow your heads right now? Just bow your heads. Close your eyes.
recognize that above this earth is Almighty God and He loves you, I want you to spend some time thanking Him and just resting in Him, thanking Him for loving you. You are God in heaven And here am I on earth So I'll let my words be few Jesus, I am so in love with you. You are God in heaven. You are God in heaven. And here am I on earth.
Jesus, I am so in love with you. The simplest of all love songs I want to bring to you. Father, it's so good just to come before you and just tell you that we love you. No agenda. Just to rest and to know that you love us, God. It's, it's just, what more can we ask for? In Jesus' name, amen. It's good just to not <laughs> do anything but rest. It's good sometimes just to sit and just get a new perspective on what life's all about and what's really going on in the world and how you're really not at the center of it all. It just brings you to peace. <laughs> it's really cool. Last service, oh man, I just lost it because during the time of prayer, there was a baby in the room and the whole time just cooing, just going, uh, uh. you know, just dead quiet and that's all you heard in the room and everyone's just bawling, you know, because it was just such a beautiful picture of just, you know, sitting there and just enjoying the presence of God as his child and not having to run around and accomplish and do something for him or this or that, but just to rest in him. Um, how often do you do that in life? Do you get that time alone with the Lord? 
you know, it, it, it's amazing what will happen in my life if I just spend a few days apart from God. A few days where I don't seriously just pray and get my mindset right and just humble myself before Him. You'd think after like 20 years of being a Christian that you could miss a few days of time with God and things would be okay. But it's it's amazing how, you know, I just skip one day and think that I'm in charge again. And, you know, you go out there and your your life and your mindset and everything just goes in the tank. Um, you know, I, I heard a great uh, quote the other week. I don't often read quotes. Um, but But this one was so simple and so powerful to me. It was by A.W. Tozer. He said this, Every man is as close to God as he wants to be. That's it. Every man's as close to God as he wants to be. And I love it because I hear people say all the time, I want to be close to God, but no, you don't. You don't. Oh, I wish I was closer to Him. No, you don't. If you wanted to be closer to God, you would be. Everyone's as close to God as they want to be. It's not like God's up there saying, I know you want to be close to me, but I'm not going to let you. No, God's in heaven pursuing us, wanting us, desiring intimacy with us. He gave His Son you know, to us. He had His Son die for us because He wanted intimacy with us. And so if you're not close to Him, guess whose fault it is? It's not a lack of desire on God's part. It's a lack of desire on your part. And, and, and I, I love that quote because we live in a, in a society, in a church age where excuses are so popular. Everyone's got an excuse for why they sin, why they're not close to God, why they're not, you know, there's this, 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 this. And, and the truth is, is you know, it, it's all you. You know, if you wanted to be close to God, you'd figure out a way. If you want to be closer to Him, you would be. And everyone's just as close to God as they want to be. Um, this whole idea of fellowship with God, that's what we've been talking about for the last 20 minutes. And I'm going to move on. But, but that's part of what we say we want members to do, is to have fellowship with the Lord. We don't want, if you want to be a member this year, and, and there was some confusion last week when I gave you that sheet with the six things, or like, we're supposed to sign, you know, fill it out. We just talked about the first one. Now, wait till the six-week series is over, which we're taking a break for three weeks, so it's going to be a while. Anyways, um, because we want to go through each of these and make sure you understand. Last week we talked about growing, you know, growing closer to God and growing closer with others. Um, this week we're talking about fellowship with God and fellowship with others. And that's what I want to talk about is this whole idea of fellowship with, first, fellowship with God. We don't want mem- people to say, I want to be a member of Cornerstone Church and, uh, you know, so I can go do all these things, fix all these things. Look, that's secondary. In fact, we don't want anyone serving in the church that doesn't have fellowship with God because then your work is useless anyways. There's no power behind it. You know, Jesus says you're not going to bear any fruit apart from the vine. You're like this branch off on its own. You know, you're not going to do anything for us. So unless you're connected with God and fellowshipping with Him, your efforts are worthless. Um, so fellowship with God, but also the other thing is fellowship with, with others. Now, now, a lot of us grew up believing that Sunday morning was church, right? And you miss Sunday morning, man, you're going to hell. I mean, you're just, you're a mess. You don't miss, that's, that's sin. And, and uh, you know, and if you make it to church every weekend, you know, then, man, you're in good shape, you're in good standings with God. And, you know, it's all about attending this service. And the truth is, is attending service is not church. Um, the Bible is so clear on that. Even the definition of church is not a meeting where you get... It's, it's a body of believers. It's we are the church. It's a group of believers that gather together like a family. 
And when they gathered together back then, it was not just to listen to a sermon and sing some songs together, but it was to really practice the one another's of Scripture, that we act like a family. One another, love one another, serve one another. You know, in fact, I typed in, you know, uh, in my computer, one another, you know, and just in the concordance, and said, you know, show me all the verses that say one another in the New Testament. And there were so many of them. And that's really what the church is, is the one another's, what we do with one another. In fact, I'm going to show you a few of the verses that I, I saw this week. First one uh, is uh, John 13. It says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Okay, this is what we're supposed to gather together. This is what God says we must do is love one another. That means love the other people in this room. It's Morgan. You guys know Morgan? You guys love Morgan? Because we came, we all came here to love on Morgan today. Okay, Morgan, why don't you stand up so we can just love on you. You guys love Morgan? Yeah, Morgan, yeah. All right. It's just, uh, you can sit down. <laughs> wow, I didn't know you could turn red. This is, uh, that's, that's what the, the body is to do. That, that somehow, that in this room is supposed to be a family. Okay? That, that the people next to you, you're actually supposed to love them. Love one another. Go, go to the next verse. It says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Be devoted to one another. And brother, to, to be an actual devotion. I mean, does that word describe how you feel about the other people in this room? That you're committed to them. You're devoted to them. You devoted to the people around you? That's, that's church. As we get together, we're just a group of people. It's not about a, a bunch of us, you know, sitting in the room, you know, and there's a guy up there and, and, and we just listen to his teaching and that's church. This is church. All of us down here loving each other, being devoted to one another, being committed to each other. That's what's supposed to take place if the church is healthy. Next verse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. That that we gather together and we rejoice with each other. You know, like the person sitting next to you, maybe they had a great week, some things happened, you know, God did some awesome things in their life, that you're supposed to get excited with them because that's your family member. You know, and go, wow, that's really cool, you know, and just to rejoice with them. Or maybe it's been a real difficult week and they've had some really hard times just to go, wow, you know, I'm, I'm just going to mourn with you. Man, I can't believe you're going through that. You know, a lady came up just, uh, just right before service and prayed for my daughter. You know, she's, she's got a, you know... She's got a tumor on her brain. This is the fourth time she's gone through this. And it, it just keeps getting worse and worse, you know. Um, last night, you know, another lady just said, you know, pray for this gal, you know, Brianne, 14 years old. She's probably got two weeks to live. You know, just the whole family, everything going on there. You know, just, just talking to another couple uh, at the 8.30 service. They sit up here all the time. I never really got to know them. I just sat down. Well, what's going on? You know, and she's in a wheelchair and... You know, she tells me their story. They've been coming here for, for, you know, a few months and, and really have turned their lives around. But she was in a coma for four months. She got in a car accident. Here's the thing was uh, they were separated. This couple, after 11 years of marriage, they were separated for about, you know, three months. He's back east, finds out she gets in this accident, just really feels led to come back out here to see what happened. And she's in a coma. She was going 90 miles an hour on the 14 freeway, hit the center divider. She is just gone, you know. 
And so she's in this coma for four months, and he says, you know, I just sat there in the hospital lotioning her, you know, talking to her, you know, just knew, you know what, I still love her. And, uh, you know, miraculously came out of that coma, and, uh, you know, it's got her head all together and everything else, and they're in love, restored their relationship, and, you know, and it's been, uh, it's just beautiful, you know, and you hear these stories, you rejoice with them, you mourn with them. You know, that's what the baby dedication is, you know. You know, you know, Mike and Sarah, you know, just up there, I was thinking, you know, Mike and Sarah Bolding, you know, with their, their little baby. I just thought, yeah, that's so cool. And, 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 and for the longest time, you know, I didn't really think about you guys. And then I, I saw you up there, and man, no, but Mike, Mike, you know, I, I used to meet with Mike when he was a freshman in high school. You know, I used to disciple him in my little group and talk to him about God and stuff like that. He taught me how to play uh, Stairway to Heaven on guitar, you know, important things in life and, you know, some Bon Jovi songs. And, and it's like, wow, you know, just the connection. It's like, that's the stuff. That's the church. That's what's supposed to be going on. Not a service, not a show up here. Go on, next, next. Uh, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. To accept the people around you, or do you, you think you're better than them? You come here going, I don't want to deal with church people or whatever else. No, Christ accepted you, you know, and all your junk and, you know, issues that you've got. And he says, you know, start doing that with each other. Next verse. Um, greet one another with a holy... Yeah, we're not going to do that one. Uh, well, here's the thing. Okay. Greet one another... We'll do that. Um, but the holy kiss, here, here's the thing. That, that was a, a, an acceptable greeting back then. It was a cultural thing, but it, it meant like a warmth. You know, it's kind of like the Italian, mama, mama. You know, it's just, uh, it's just it, there's nothing, you know, sensuous about it. It's just, you know, in our culture, it's kind of, we don't do that. Um, but the idea was this. The idea was that your greeting with your brothers and sisters, your family, was going to be warmer than just someone in the crowd, you know, someone you pass, our typical greeting. So, you know, it's, it's just, it goes beyond that. It's like, oh, that's not just a, a normal person. That's my family member. And it's, it's a warm hug. It's the handshake, looking each other in the eyes, saying, man, how are you? And really meaning it. It's, there's a warmth in your greeting and not just your average, because this is family. Next, next verse. Uh, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another. So there may be no divisions among you, and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. I love that passage. You know what God wants? He wants us to walk in this room and us have one mindset. Just be totally united. There's no divisions in this room. See, I, I need to walk in this room and know that you got my back. Because you know what happens? Every week there'll be someone in the church that'll kind of rise up, think they're all that, and they're going to be the savior of the church and speak negatively about the elders, the leadership, and everyone screwed up except for me. Come join me and, and cause this division. And you know what? As a church, we've got to go, get out of here. You know, the Bible says to warn those divisive people once, warn them again, then have nothing to do with them. Because this is supposed to be a safe place. Where I come in and, and you come in and we're not talking about each other behind our backs. We're not dividing. This is a family. We've got a mission. We've got an awesome father. That's all we know. We've got a great God we can rest in. He's our dad, and we're out. We're going to tell the world how wonderful he is. And we're together on this thing. And that's, that's what this is supposed to feel like in this room. Not coming in skeptical. It's not high school all over, wondering if your friends left you and are talking behind your back. You know, that, that's just lame. That's not church. That, that, this is what church is supposed to be. Next verse. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but don't use your, your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. 
Okay, you're called to be free. I love that. Because the idea is, as you guys know, that I'm not up here trying to earn my salvation. I've got to do this, 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 or else God's going to send me to hell. No. Okay, I'm saved. Jesus died on the cross for me. He wiped out every sin in my life because I've accepted Him, decided to follow Him. I'm there, and I'm not going to do something to ruin that. I'm free with my actions. But He says, in that freedom, use it not to indulge in sin. That's ridiculous. Instead, serve others with that freedom. You're free to do anything. I'm free to to swear at you right now. Don't worry. And... uh, but instead, I could do that. That's not going to send me to hell. I can do all sorts of things that aren't going to destroy my salvation. He says, but the true believer isn't going to go after those things. You know, in my freedom, I'm going to want to serve. In fact, you get to a point in life where you actually enjoy giving to others. And, and, and not everyone gets there. Okay? Because we live in a very echocentric world where everything's about you. But if you get to the point where you start trusting in Scripture and you actually just start serving people, you find it's actually enjoyable. It actually isn't, oh, bummer, I've got to go to church and serve someone. Um, because honestly, I'm willing to bet not even 5% of us walk in this room thinking, I'm coming in here to serve others. You know, we didn't walk in with that mentality. Um, and yet that is what the church is supposed to gather to, get, to do, is to serve one another. Next, next verse. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. This is key. This is important. Because, okay, I'm one of the most sinful people I know. Problem is, is some of you are worse. And so you put the two of us in a room, and what's going to happen? We're going to sin against each other. I'm going to say things that will absolutely hurt your feelings. Not intentionally. It's not my desire. It's just going to happen. I'll do everything I can not to, but I'm going to bug you. And the same way, trust me, you're going to bug me. And, uh, and we've got to figure out, you know what, that's why there's passages like this that say, look, it's, it's not, no matter how much your effort's going to be there, there's still going to be times when you're going to hurt one another. And the Bible says, be patient, bear, put up with one another at times. Next verse, same type of thing. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Okay, just like no matter what you've done to God and all the things that you've done that are offensive to Him, if you trust in Jesus, what He did on the cross, all that's wiped clean. It's, it's as far as the east is from the west. Okay, it's gone. It's clean. It's wiped out. He's not up there going, oh yeah, but I remember you did this, this, and this, and I'm holding that against you. It's gone. And He says, in the same way, you need to start doing that with each other. Not keeping a record of what everyone in this room did to you at some point in your life. Just saying, you know what? They're a sinner. I'm a sinner. I've hurt people. They've hurt people. We've hurt each other. But it's over with. It's gone. That's what's different about this room. We don't hold on to that stuff. We're family. Move on. It says, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. You know, I'll just be happy if you speak to one another. Um, You know, if we can get past this, let's show up, look forward, then run out, grab our kids, get to our car, you know, it's just, let's just speak to one another. The idea of speaking with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs is we actually share our praises of God. You know, the psalms, the hymns, and spiritual songs were thought through praises of the wonderful thing God's done. So they'd write down these, you know, poems or songs or whatever, and they'd share with others. It's going, man, this is what I think of God. And they would share and interact with each other. Um, now, I'll go to the next one. Um, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. 
you see, it, it says that it's, it's our responsibility to teach one another. See, I'm not the teacher. I'm not the sole teacher, I should say. We're called to teach one another, and I'm not the admonisher. It's not my job to figure out every issue you've got in life that's against the Scriptures and confront you on it. We do that for each other. And, it, and it's a good thing, it, it, because of the commands bring life. So if you see someone straying from what God wants in love, you just go, oh man, that's not going to lead you in the right direction. Let me help you with that. It's not, ooh, I'm going to tell Francis. You know, it's just, you know, that, that, that's just silly. The, the idea of the body is that as a family, we, we look out for one another. We admonish one another. We teach one another. Next verse. Um, encourage one another. Build each other up, just as in fact you're doing. It's pretty, pretty basic. We encourage, build each other up. You guys doing that? You feel encouraged by the people around you? Next, next verse. Let's consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. Let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let's encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now we spur one another on to love and good deeds. It's not one person in the front going, go do this, go do this, go do this. But each other encouraging one another to serve. Say, gosh, you know, I've been serving God in this way. Why don't you do the same thing? It's awesome, you know, to spur one another love and good deeds. And, and, and here's the thing. We've all heard people say, okay, I don't need church. I've got my own thing with God. I don't need church. In fact, church people bug me. You know, I me, mean, God and I, we're good. And, and some of the people watching on television go, you know what, I, I'll just watch the sermon on TV because church people bug me. I don't need the church. God and I, we're good. No, you're not good. Okay, this passage, verse 25, says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but let us encourage each other. Let's encourage one another. The church was meant to be in fellowship with one another. God doesn't want us to have our own thing with Him off to the side. He says, that's not the way I designed the church. And don't be like those people who kind of just say, you know what, I don't need the church. I'm good. Don't be like them. He says, we're supposed to be here encouraging one another and all the more as the day approaches. What day is He talking about? The day when Christ returns, absolutely. And, and who's Christ returning for? His church, His bride. We together make up this one body, His bride, and He's coming back for His church together, collectively. We have to live together. Next verse. Finally, all of you, live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Next verse. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Okay, without grumbling. That means, you know, when I say, hey, you got to talk to someone, help someone out, don't go, oh, great. Another love your neighbor sermon, you know. And I understand, okay, I know, I know that a lot of you come to this church and you don't want anyone talking to you. You just don't. You want to come here, be left alone, right? Sit in your seat, you just want to hear a sermon, you know, sing a few songs to God, deal with some things before the Lord. You don't want everyone around you loving on you, hugging you, Ooh, how was your day? You just want to get in here, get your fix, and get out of here, right? Because you got stuff to do, the game's almost over. You know, you, you want to you just get it done, and you guys, that's not church though. That's not church. And, and, and a lot of times we, you know, kind of back off because, you know, the moment I say, hey, talk to someone before you go, bam, you run out the door. And you know what? And, and I think, oh, that's a bummer. I made them uncomfortable. And well, you know, but this is church. 
We've got to learn to talk. We've got to learn to interact. Otherwise, we're not healthy. Next verse. Uh, Young men, the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Next verse. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son purifies us from all sin. Bottom line is that. If we want to be what God wants us to be, we're going to be in fellowship with one another. My wife and I, we come from totally different families. Okay? I mean, just... We do everything differently. And, and, you know, I know a lot of you guys have the same story in your family. You just go, man, I don't get that. Her brothers and sisters like each other. <laughs> That's so weird. Okay. And, you know, they get along. They hug each other. Give each other you know, and um, I don't think I've ever hugged my brother. You know, I, and he's cool. I mean, I, I get along with my family now. And we, 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 we start to like each other more and more. Um, but she tells me stories about like when they were younger and they were in high school. Her and her brother were best friends in high school. I mean, when I passed my brother or sister in the hallway in high school, we wouldn't even look at each other. A lot of times we would just turn the other way and pretend we didn't see each other, talk to our friends, because we already had to put it up with each other at home. It's like, I'm not going to say hi to you at school, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and, and it's, it's just weird. I don't want to know when that was my sister, that was my brother, you know, we were ashamed of each other, whatever else, you know. And then you have your own kids, and man, once you have a few kids and they start talking to each other and getting along, and looking out for one another, it's the greatest thing in the world, isn't it? And then when they're bickering and they just don't want to have anything to do with each other, it just drives you crazy. It just breaks your heart. All our dad wants of us, you guys, is that we get along. What our dad wants is not that we show up to church and none of us look each other in the eye and we just listen to a sermon and leave and maybe interact with him but not each other. He says, that's not a family. That's not the way I designed this thing. That's not what brings me joy. What brings me joy is when you guys will mourn with each other, pray with each other, love each other, serve each other, give to each other, teach each other, admonish one another, confess your sins to one another. All of the one another's in Scripture, that's what the body is. And when we start doing that, then yeah, we're a healthy church and we're a healthy family and God is pleased with His bride. Um, and, and I recognize we can't, we can't do that in a large group setting very well. We can't all feel like, you know, one big happy family where we just, hey, let's go in the parking lot right now. We'll all hold hands in a big circle, you know, and then we'll just go down the line. And everyone tell us, that, tell us about you, you know, as the other thousand sit and wait their turn. It's just not practical. I understand some of that. And that's why we've, uh, we've created small groups in the church. And we encourage you to get in a small group where there's like a dozen of you. You know, and what they are, they're sermon-based, where you get together in the middle of the week and just go, hey, what you guys think of Sunday morning? What he talked about? You know, how are you doing that in your life where you, you interact and you find out, oh, you got some needs, you need a fridge? Hey, I have an extra fridge. You can take mine. You know, oh, your, your kids have an issue. Oh, mine went through the same thing. Let me help you with that. We kind of sit and we talk and we know each other. You're going through a hard time, you actually call someone in the group and go, hey, 
can you pray for me? You know, I, you know, I, I just, uh, I don't know, my dog died. What, whatever. You know, I <laughs> that's all I could think of. Okay, you know, or something worse. You know, or, or you know what, my my girlfriend dumped me. You know, or I'm going in for a job interview. Can you call the guys? Just have everyone pray for me. So I walk in, I just know. I mean, I got 12 people praying for me as I'm in this job interview. I'm not gonna miss it. You know, everything. Just it, it's like you know, just this this family atmosphere. That's what God wants, and we actually know each other. And so when you leave here, man, in the lobby. There's opportunities to, uh, to do that, uh, to sign up for small groups. Um, but, but to end service right now, you know, some of you guys maybe uh, need some prayer. Um, there will be some people up here to pray with you. Um, if you want to get baptized, we'll have baptism. Um, but before you leave, you know, you've got a couple minutes. What I encourage you to do is, um, would you practice one of the one another's before you leave? To actually be the church, and I know uh, some of you just want to take off or whatever else, and it, it's it's just not pleasing to the Lord. It just isn't. And, and believe me, I understand you. If anyone understands you, it's me. Um, man, there's there's times when it's just like, okay, I've had enough people, um, and uh, and yet the truth is, is I, I am more of an introverted person, and I'm happy with just me and my family and and God and just. We would be fine on a little island. I'd be, I'd be pleased. Um, but the, the truth is, is that's not the way God designed us. And, and honestly, the more I, I do dig deeper in my relationships and build my friendships, it's actually pretty cool having friends. <laughs> it's actually, you know, you realize, yeah, this is the way God designed the body. It is okay to connect and interact, and it is actually good for you. And so just practice some of the one another's. And there may be some people getting baptized as you guys are talking, and, and we'll just stop and say, hey, so-and-so's getting baptized. They're joining the family. But right now, before you leave, just, just, just one another, one another. And then uh, we'll see you next week.